Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of R2C2. It is Thursday. It is the final Thursday of the regular season. I'm in New York City, in my home, between WNBA games, getting ready for the WNBA finals, which are going to be amazing, by the way. Washington and Connecticut, you should definitely watch it. It's going to be incredible basketball. Starts on Sunday. And CC is super locked in on the final week of the season, coming off that unbelievable weekend where he was honored. And I know how emotional he was. He was joking about how he's like, man, I got to leave. Now I'm crying on the field, texting us after the game, texting the group chat. But it was such an incredible moving video tribute that Nick Tyrell and Brandon Mim put together from the Yankees scoreboard department. And uh, I mean, if you watched, especially the one that uh, Brandon Mim did, who I used to work with at Yankees On Demand, was just unbelievable with his family. Just the emotion of that. If you watch that, I mean, you you had to have gotten choked up. I know I did. We all saw C crying on the field and just how beautiful that moment was. And so it's been an incredibly emotional week for C, who's also been very busy uh, with different charitable um, ventures uh, that he's done throughout the season with Pitch In and with the Girls and Boys Club. Um, so between that and the off days, he's not going to be here this week. So you stuck with me. Sorry, don't worry. It's just one Thursday. See, we'll be back next Thursday. We're going to do a great playoff preview for you the night before the Yankees begin game one of the ALDS. But for this week, we didn't want to skip a Thursday. We're at the final Thursday of the regular season. We've made it this far, people. We don't want to leave you now. So we thought... It'd be fun to just answer some of your listener questions. So you guys have sent a bunch of great questions on Twitter and on Instagram. And our producer, John Fontanelli, who has done an outstanding job on R2C2 and helping out C&I throughout the year, he is here and he is going to tee them up. So, John, welcome on air to the program. And what do you got for us, my friend? Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here, man. The first question comes from Eddie914. He asks, how did you and CC first become tight? Was it something that just happened or was it gradual over time? So CC and I, I started doing on-air stuff with the Yankees in 2009. And when the Yankees moved into the new stadium, they had this gorgeous brand new scoreboard, right? And like we all know, if you go to the stadium, it looks huge now. But like think about 10 years ago, like it was like revolutionary to have that scoreboard and HD screen that big. And so what they decided to do was create more of a a scoreboard show and sort of beef up their in-house production. And so they wanted a host Um, And at the same time, they were launching this simultaneous venture, Yankees on Demand, uh, that was led by Pete Gurgley and Brandon Mim. And now was also led by a guy named Greg Colello, all of whom are awesome at their jobs. Um, And uh, they brought me in as the host. I had been doing stats for the Yes Network uh, in booth. Uh, I was Michael Kay's statistician for home games for the previous two seasons. Um, And I was continuing that year and we would do it another couple of years. Um, But I started on air doing the scoreboard stuff. And because of it, I was, you know, I wasn't media. I was more of like in-house production, right? So you have sort of a, a closer feel to the players and you have a little more access. And And the guys understood that I was, um, not to say media is the enemy, because obviously I, I am media a lot of times, but like in this case, I was not the enemy, right? I was like, I was part of it. And it was when C had just gotten there. It was his first year. Um, and me and him just started talking about all kinds of sports, um, mostly hoops, actually. Lakers were um, 
having a great year and C they went to the finals that year. Um, and C was a Lakers fan, um, at the time. Don't worry. He's flip flop since then back to the Warriors, <laughs> but <laughs> I was, I, I was a Lakers fan too at the time. Um, just cause Kobe was my favorite player. And, um, and so we bonded over that and kind of like broke down the games and started talking sports and, and I would just talk to C almost every day in the clubhouse at home games about things other than, you know, baseball. And we connected over that. And then as the season went on, we did a lot of different features with C, including one at his house in Vallejo. And he and Amber were so giving of their time to us at Yankees on Demand. And we just sort of developed a natural rapport that way. Um, and I, it struck me immediately that C was just like, he was just affable and giving, and I had never met a superstar who was so generous with his time uh, with, uh, you know, just random people who weren't his teammates um, in the clubhouse. And it it really just laid the foundation for us. And then as time went on, we started to connect, you know, or we started to talk more and more, get to know each other better. He, he listened to my radio show I was hosting at the time and would text me from time to time. And then we ended up having mutual friends that connected us as well. Matt Siegel, uh, Matt Nimer, and then eventually Brian Axelrod, all the guys who were on our group chat. And so it kind of grew from there until before the 2017. So then we started joking, like, we need to do a show someday. We need to do a podcast someday. And then before 2017, C reached out to me and was like, hey, no more of this putting it off in the future let's do it now and that's kind of how it took off that's great even as the producer of the show i feel like i learned a lot there that's really cool really cool okay good bro yeah absolutely i'm I'm happy to hear that yeah so we're going to mix in some producer questions here we fielded some questions from the folks here at uninterrupted who produced the show so today is the five-year anniversary of Derek jeter's final game at yankee stadium i think there's a flashbulb moment for a lot of sports fans especially yankees fans i'm curious uh what do you remember from that day ryan so you know, one of the things that I, which was pretty cool for me as a kid who grew up idolizing Derek Jeter, I, so I, I was actually on air alone on ESPN Radio in New York the day that Jeter made the announcement it was going to be his last season, which if you remember, nobody saw it coming at that time. Mm-hmm. And the day of his final game, I was hosting my show alone as well. And so... You know, I really got to do what I felt was like, you know, the proper, you know, waxing poetic about the captain who was the symbol of a generation of sports fans in this city, me included. Um, and uh, and so I remember being on the air at Georgia Southern. I had a college football day game I was doing that day for ESPN in Georgia Southern. And I did my radio show from there talking all about Jeter. And I just felt like it, it was one of those shows you're proud of, which when you do a talk show every single day, you know, they don't always stand out. But this was a day in which it did. And the reason it did is because, you know, I just felt like I was able to play on the proper emotion for what Yankees fans were feeling that day because it was what I was feeling that day. Um, and so I remember feeling like, how cool is this to get to be part of the soundtrack of Derek Jeter's final game if you're driving to the stadium or driving around that day just thinking it and i remember thinking like that was like for me 
a huge thing as a kid um, was listening to not only the play-by-play, but listening to the talk shows and what was being said surrounding the days of big games. I'll always remember listening to Mike Francesa the morning after the Yankees won the World Series in 1996. I was nine years old. I was driving around with my dad um, and Mike Francesa talking about this Yankee team and, you know, remember this one forever. And my dad turning to me and saying, you know, it's not always that you get your team to win a championship. It may never happen again in your lifetime. Enjoy this. Um, and, uh, and of course, it ended up happening several more times. But point being, that sort of memory, that was part of the soundtrack of my experience of that team and that championship. So I remember taking great pride in having the airwaves that day to get to be part of that experience for Yankee fans. And then during the Georgia Southern game, it was when the Yankee game started and it killed me to not be able to be there at the stadium. My family was there and I try and be at the stadium for every big moment. Um, and it's one of the only times in my life, maybe the only time in my life I can remember being distracted while doing play by play because I was checking my phone to see what was going on with Jeter. And when he hit the double off the wall in his first at bat, I like I, I couldn't focus on the game in front of me. First of all, you know, it was Georgia <laughs> Southern and whoever else they were playing. You know what I mean? It right. was like I'm parachuting in for one random college football game on my slate. Mm-hmm. But and they had taken like a 35 to 10 lead in the first half. And all of a sudden I'm reading about like, oh, my gosh, Derek Jeter, isn't he just unbelievable? And on the way home from the football game, I was driving and it was when Jeter got the walk-off hit and I was driving with my statistician Stevie LeBeau and we were driving to the airport in Atlanta. It was about a three-hour drive so we're basically driving through the night and we were listening to ESPN radio and just everybody call in amazed and I just had that feeling of like where you're you're in awe but you're not shocked and it just feels like you know, this mythos coming to life because like, of course, Derek Jeter did that. You know, nobody should, it it shouldn't be real to be able to have that kind of script on your final day. Like that's not real life, but Derek Jeter wasn't real life, you know? And so it just felt like this absolutely fitting end to what was a mythical career. And I remember just being overwhelmed with this feeling like you were tapping into the cosmos um, and uh, and the, the feeling of emotion, um, of, of happiness that Derek got that moment he deserved. Absolutely. Quick story. I was actually in Alaska when that happened. I was producing a documentary for Discovery Channel and nobody else that I was with cared about baseball, let alone Yankee baseball. So I was watching like on a grainy feed on an Alaskan television, giving myself a, doing a standing ovation by myself on that one. <laughs> Cry, one <laughs> That's tremendous. That is tremendous. And my dad and sister were actually at the game, and my sister held up a sign that said "Marry Me, Jeter," and she still has it. It's it was. Oh that, my gosh! It really That's was a special awesome, moment, man. and it's it's definitely a moment. I think you know to your point about the '96 Yankees. I think for a whole another generation of Yankee fans, that's a, that's a moment that they'll never forget. Yeah, man, and and to your point about like obviously how vividly you just described that, like you are always going to remember exactly where you were. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. So we have a uh, another Twitter question. Matt Davey asks, can you see any other European games being played outside of London in the not-so-distant not so future? Yeah, I could. You know, I mean, I think um, Rob Manfred is – he's progressive and understands that, like, in order for baseball to – 
grow and continue to retain the younger fan, it needs to create more events, right? Because the reality is in an 162 game season, you know, those moments that, you know, bring you from the back of your chair to the front of your chair and the edge of your seat are, they're just few and far between when you have a season that's the marathon that baseball is, right? Yep. Um, you, you know, it's, it, baseball becomes the background of your summer, not the foreground. And I think Rob Manford understands that it's important to create more events. Um, I think it's part of the reason why you saw the London series. I think it's part of the reason why you're seeing what's happening with the Field of Dreams field uh, in Iowa net lack next year with the White Sox and the Yankees. Um, and so... I think, uh, especially as novelty wears off, you know, with London, which, you know, inevitably it will, like, I could definitely see, you know, besides the advantages of trying to grow the game internationally, um, which is a pool that obviously you should want to choose from um, if you're, you know, a business and Major League Baseball is, I think also just like the idea of like a game played in a different venue draws eyeballs that it may otherwise not and um and i think that you know major league baseball will leave no stone unturned in that regard and i'm sure that will take them to somewhere else in europe other than london do you feel like that was a good experience for the players overall just not only in terms of going to london which it seemed like they all really enjoyed but also just that mid-season travel yeah i i, I honestly do i mean c always talks about how he, he's always like you know man, I'd hate to go there and get my ass kicked two games, you know, but like, <laughs> right. but, and I, I get that. And it was long and it was, you know, a lot of travel. And I think you probably could use one extra off day somewhere in there. But by and large, I think, you know, over the course of a baseball season, it's good to break up the monotony for the guys. And I saw that as being a trip that energized the Yankees more than it deflated them afterwards. Um, and so, uh, so I think like, I mean, I think it was such a unique experience, such a great way to break up the, the season and felt like such a big event. I think that, uh, I think that it is a positive for the players. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Dan Lucia on Twitter asks, if you had an opportunity to call a game with anyone for any sport, who would it be with? Wow. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm super lucky because a lot of the analysts that I've admired forever, I get to do games with, you know, um, you know, I get to do games with you know, David Cohn and Paul O'Neill and all my guys at Yes, who I, I you know, I, I watched and admired and, you know, got to do games with Hubie Brown and learn his stories and Jeff Van Gundy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say someone I'd love to work with. I, I would love to call a game with John Madden. If I could pick any analyst, it would probably be him. Um, because I just thought his personality was larger than life. I just love listening to him do games growing up. Um, and I thought he was the, you know, perfect blend of giving you X's and O's, you know, giving you incredible insight, but also having this personality that made you just want to hang out with him the way he break down barbecues. Like I, I just thought he was fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And uh, and I think like if I could choose anyone, it'd be him. Do you have like a Mount Rushmore of play-by-play uh, broadcasters? You, I, you know what? I don't know if I have a Mount Rushmore. I have some that I that I definitely think are you know as good as anyone in the world, or you know that I grew up admiring. Um, I will say sometimes it's it's weird to answer some of that to to answer some of that now because I've developed relationships with so many of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you feel like you don't want to offend anyone. Right. And, and you really do admire everybody for different ways. You know, mm-hmm. one of the guys who I have a little bit of a relationship with who would absolutely be on my Mount Rushmore is Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, it's amazing. I, I spoke in my high school recently, um, Hackley, uh, in Tarrytown where I went to high school and, one of the first questions the audience had for me was like, what do you think of Joe Buck? And they asked it in a way thinking that I was going to like trash Joe Buck. And I was like, Joe Buck is amazing. And they were like, really? What? And I'm like, yes. And I, I've never understood the hate he gets. Like, I can say this as a play-by-play guy right now. When you think the play-by-play guy has something against your team, he doesn't. You know, the play-by-play guy just wants to do a great broadcast, period, the end. When I do a broadcast nationally, I care about it being a great game and us having a great broadcast. That's it. I don't care who wins. You know, I I care about it being a great game and a great broadcast. You know, I would say there can be some biases that surface as far as like if somebody is a great dude who you know a lot of positive personal things about and who treats you and your crew well, you may put a little more mustard on the positive things that you say about them, but you're not going to fabricate anything. You're just going to do it with a little more gusto, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you would never slant it negative the other way. Like if someone you didn't like, you still, you would keep that to yourself, you know? But other than that, it doesn't come out. And I just think Joe is, first of all, his voice is amazing. For me, it's synonymous with big moments. I think he understands the medium of TV so well. Um, I just think he's incredible at what he does. He's smart. He's witty. His vocabulary is great. Um, he knows how to let the crowd take over when necessary. Um, I think he's amazing. I mean, I admire so many. My colleague, Ian Eagle, uh, Mike Breen. You know, I grew up absolutely loving listening to Michael Kay and John Sterling mm-hmm. um, and have always admired them and, and how good they are at their jobs. So there's a lot of people, I, Bob Papa doing the Giants on radio and Chris Carino doing the Nets on radio. Yep. I learned so much from those guys. Um, so, there, I mean, there's tons of people I'd put on there. Al Michaels too, man. Mm-hmm. Like Al Michaels is definitely in my top four of all time. I know I just gave you a million names. Like <laughs> Joe Buck and Al Michaels are definitely in there. I just think Al Michaels is so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Collinsworth is too. That broadcast is phenomenal with Fred Gadelli, their producer, yep. who's a big Yankee fan, incidentally. He's incredible. Um, so, anyway... You know that uh, that's that's a long ass answer to that question, but you get the point. Yes, a, a student of broadcasting and a fan of many broadcasters is Ryan Rucco. Yes, exactly, <laughs> and a fan of being politically correct as well. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so, so JJ Fit, a uh, a young Yankees fan and a young uh, fan of yours on Twitter, asks: 
Can I somehow follow Ryan Rucco for a day to learn what it's like to be a sports broadcaster? If JJ were to follow <laughs> you, Ryan, for a day, what um, what might he see? What might he observe? I'm always fascinated with, because I know you're really great at sharing with your fans the experience of you know flying in and out of town and doing research. What's a typical day like for you? Again, depending on the the different event that you're working, but what is what what do you, what would he expect to to learn in a day uh, following Ryan Rucco on the day of a broadcast? Man, it really depends because like. You know, it depends what assignment and whatever, but like, let's say it's a Yankee game. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to read a bunch of um, like articles from that day. You know, I'm going to read basically everything new that morning on the Yankees and their opponent. Um, And I'm going to take out a manila folder and I'm going to have research on both of the starting pitchers. And then as I'm getting ready, I might go grab lunch with our producer. As I go to the stadium, I'm going to get an email from my research department with the Yes Network, um, Jeff Quagliata, James Smythe, uh, Glenn Giangrande, Seth Rothman. We have these unbelievable um, researchers for Yes. They send us an email that's just incredible, that has the most amazing nuggets and storylines and stats. And so I'm going to sit there, read that in the booth for like an hour, Uh, fill in my manila folder uh, that has had the pitching information with all their nuggets and stats. Then I'm going to go down to the clubhouse for an hour, have um, conversations with different, you know, people on the Yankees to try and bring, uh, you know, the access that I can to the audience and try and bring things relevant to that day to the audience. Then I'm going to listen to Aaron Boone's press conference, and then I'll come back up to the booth, go over the game notes that the Yankees media relations provides and the opponents media relations provide, um, and then uh, get ready to do the broadcast. Um, and, you know, in the days prior, a lot of times you're watching the opponent, especially when I do a national game, you know, you're watching the teams you're about to do the days prior. I'm um, in basketball. I'd be going to shoot around in the morning, then getting lunch with my producer and crew. Like I'll be doing that this weekend with Rebecca Lobo and Holly Rowe and our producer, Rodney Vaughn. Um, we'll go to shoot around. We'll talk to the coaches. We'll go to lunch, talk about storylines, you know, um, but I'm preparation is the key. Like you can't just go on air and perform. You will suck. You know, you need to be prepared to perform. So there's a lot that goes into that. And it's very routine oriented on game days, but on days like today where I don't have a game, like you might just find me walking around the city all damn day. Like, you know, like that's, that's kind of the cool thing about what I do is about not having to go into an office. Um, you know, is, is, you know, just being able to do whatever. Like I just, was, you know, I think that's one of the things I like about my job is not having the routine schedule, you know, and sure, some of it can be, you could go through a crazy stretch where you're working 30 out of 31 days, but then you might have like five random days off or eight random days off, you know? So Mm -hmm. that kind of gives some of the idea of the schedule. So one more producer question for you. How's wedding planning going? (laughs) It's good, man. It's good. Um, It's, uh, I'm lucky because um, my fiance Andrea is uh, super, super organized um, and yet also collaborative. So she she's organized, but she's not like dictating things to me, you know, like she really it's really a team process. Um, but she's always on top of what we need to do when and what we need to decide. And I have to say, like, we got out in front pretty good. Um 
we're getting married in June. So when we've been engaged since January, uh, so we've had, you know, well, I've had a year and a half, so that helps, but it's good, man. Get married in Italy presents some challenges, but it also means you have to really trust your wedding planner. Cause it's not like, you know, you have to be a little more hands off you know, and a little more trusting. Um, but, uh, it's, it's fun. I'm getting excited for it. I really am. And I think like Andrea and I are both like cracking up because we kind of figured a lot of people would say it's in Italy. I'm not coming, you know, and a lot of people are saying yes. And so we're like, oh, it'd be a little bigger party than we thought, but that's okay. It's all good people. So, so it's, it, it's cool, man. I, I like that's, uh, I, I can't wait. I, I, I cannot wait. I, I have to grow on my dreams and that's the spot of my dreams to get married. And, uh, and like, I just think it's going to be sick basically having a huge party in Italy with my closest friends and family. That sounds incredible. I'm curious, how much did the sports calendar affect the date that you guys set? Part of me was like, look, it's my wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've always prioritized work in my life up until this point, like grinded, you know, it's a, it's a rare exception. Um, but I... I didn't like I didn't want to do it, say, during like WNBA finals, because that's something I can't miss mm-hmm. or NBA playoff games that I do. That's something I can't miss, you know, or like I kind of knew in general when I might be called upon more for Yankees. So I just thought, you know what? In the summer, I have some leniency with WNBA regular season games. I have some flexibility with my Yankee schedule. It's also the time of year we want to get married weather wise. Like, and we thought it's a better time of year for our guests to go to Europe because originally we were thinking maybe in the fall. Um, but then we were like, you know what? That's just when people get back on their work schedules, whatever. So we, I mean, the sports calendar definitely played a role in it. Um, but I don't usually know my actual game schedule, you know, until four or five months before. So we couldn't wait that long to plan a wedding. So it's more so now I'm going to be telling my employers like, look, these, you know, 10 days in June, I can't, you know, I, I can't, I can't do anything, but it's at a point in the schedule where it's easy enough to plan around. That's cool. So we have you for a few more minutes here, Ryan. I got yeah. some rapid fire questions for you. So we'll Perfect. try to, let's we'll, do it. We'll try to get through these as quick as possible. Kyle Campbell on Twitter asks, what's your favorite book? Um, uh, I love so many books. Uh, I'd say, <laughs> Um, Catcher in the Rye, The Celestine Prophecy, uh, or uh, Tim Ferriss's Tribe of Mentors. All great ones. Favorite podcast, asks Sean on Twitter. Joe Rogan. Love his podcast. I listen to multiple episodes every week. Absolutely. Current favorite music artist? Man, I mean... I'd say Drake. I, I, I mean, I'm a huge Eminem fan, as you know, as everyone knows who's ever heard me talk about music at all. But right. um, but in Drake, and I love T-Swift too, man. I love this new album. I can, if you give me a playlist with Drake and T-Swift, I'm good. Awesome. Favorite sports movie? I'll probably remember the Titans or Sandlot. I'll give the edge to Sandlot. I love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to just watch it over and over again and like Wendy Peppercorn is like a top 10 character of all time for me. <laughs> I was thinking about Sandlot over the weekend. I was at a bonfire. We were making s'mores. And actually yesterday was the 19th anniversary of Remember the Titans. Crazy. 19 years. How about that? See, I'm bringing it all together for a Sean. <laughs> uh, last one. Jay Woods asks, is this the end of R2C2 with CC retiring? 
Hell no. Everybody <laughs> keeps asking this. And no, it's not. Like, CC is only going to have more time to do stuff once he retires. And hopefully, you know, we're going to be able to come up with even more creative ways to stimulate you guys and and come up with unique ways to bring you content, maybe do some events and stuff. But no, for the record, once and for all, R2C2 is continuing after CC retires. We're just getting Unless started. You know otherwise, John. No, we're just getting started. This this is only the beginning. Now CC's got a lot of free time. We got a lot of great guests lined up. I'm excited for for CC's retirement for only that reason. Me too. Let's get a parade and then we'll do that. <laughs> and you know, I do also want to say this about our co-host who's missing this episode, but we'll be back next Thursday mm-hmm. for the playoff preview. You know, him coming out of the bullpen, he looked great the other he did. night. Oh, he looked great. And I'm just so excited for him to get to take on this role. And, you know, maybe that's one of the blessings of not having some of the other key pieces that the Yankees were potentially going to have out of the bullpen mm-hmm. is it might have been more questionable as to whether or not CC had a definite role, was definitely on the roster. Hopefully he was going to be, hopefully he had a role. But now the Yankees need him and he just wants to contribute. You know, like I love that he's in this place where he's like, he just wants to be a part of it. I think it's a beautiful evolution that shows where he's at in his career. And he looked damn good the other night and he looks like he's ready to be a part of it. So I love that, man. It definitely shows his character as a team first guy and it was exciting to see as a Yankees fan how comfortable he looked coming out of the pen and just how relaxed he was on the mound I think he smiled after one of the strikeouts it was really cool to watch it was man it was hey is that that's it huh we're done that's it all right man well John thanks for stepping up to the plate for us today absolutely anytime next man next man up mentality man I'm a savage on the mic we've all had it and um as uh, the czar of audio at Uninterrupted TD assured, you you got some pipes on the mic, man. You got you got a voice for audio. I like it. Coming from a man of your stature, I'll take that in very high esteem. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> you got it, man. All right, guys, that does it for this week. Thank you for all the questions. As always, you guys sent in so many great ones, and we appreciate that. It allows us to generate content for you on a day like today, where obviously it's a little more unconventional episode, but we still want to give you something. It's the last Thursday of the regular season, but we will be back. Back next week with our season recap and playoff preview. Excited to do that with C. Uh, Thursday is the day before the playoff starts, so it'll be a perfect release time for a playoff preview. So look forward to that. Make sure you subscribe, review, and rate five stars. And we will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.